Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. Amen. I'd like to open your Bibles tonight to the book of Samuel, and I'm going to keep praying for people, you know, in the meeting. So um, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And uh, I want to just share tonight, and um, if you're in church and you're visiting for the first time or that, um, I would just love you to just, uh, you know, follow along with us. This is uh, a message that I feel is for, the, for, for us as a church in the nation, but um, also I want you to know tonight that Jesus is the God who still saves. And it never gets better than the fact that as a single mother who had been involved, been in a family with a lot of brokenness, my dad was a heavy drinker, probably an alcoholic. My mom was not a well woman. She had five children, three chronic asthmatics, and she had her first nervous breakdown when she was 28. And in those days, there wasn't a lot of help for people who had mental issues. And she went into um, hospital and had the um, shock treatment, you know, where they do the whole thing. And um, so basically, she was only in hospital for about three weeks, and we were in care. We went into care a number of times. And uh, as my mum was brought home, my dad brought her home from the hospital, and, and uh, you know, she, she was, um, you know, still very de- discouraged. And, and I was about 12 when she took her first overdose, and um, it does something to you as a, as a 12-year-old to try and wake your mother up. And, uh, and so we, would, we rang the ambulance, and she had to have her stomach pumped. And, and um, when the primary caregivers of your life need your care at that young age, it does something in your life. And you become someone who mentally says, well, I'm going to look after myself. The people I'm meant to depend upon, uh, I'm looking after in a sense. And so my mum struggled in those areas. And uh, so I grew up in a family where the only way you got attention was if you got sick. And my brothers, uh, my two sisters and my brother were chronic asthmatics. And so it took up all mum's time and attention. So... I grew up looking for attention and love, and so by the time I was 16, I'm taking drugs and, and um, smoking dope, and, and 17, um, 18, I was riding a motorbike and uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd, and, and, um, and in 19, I was pregnant, and through the Catholic Agency for Unmarried Mothers, who helped pregnant girls, and they had a, a, a list of people who would take in girls that were pregnant till they had their babies and for room and board that you would help with the family. So, um, so I went to Ipswich and had my baby in uh, the Ipswich Hospital and uh, came back home and pretty much resumed my old life. But thank God that someone, when, I, when my daughter was about almost three, somebody noticed that I was careering towards a bad destiny, and, uh, and they told me about Jesus, that God was real. You see, I had a respect for God, and I had a, a, a sense of he was up there somewhere. But when someone told me that Jesus Christ was real, and he loved me individually, that if I would open the door of my life and ask him to come in, he would come in and be my saviour, and he would change my life. And I believe that, and I thank God that I'd had enough of the world that I was ready to say the cross before me and the world behind me. And as I knelt by my little girl's bed and I said, Jesus, if you help me raise this child so she doesn't turn out like I did, so she doesn't take drugs, so she doesn't hitchhike at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'll serve you all the days of my life. 
And God has been faithful over many years. And that daughter is grown and she's serving the Lord. And I have two granddaughters. Tonight, my 15-year-old granddaughter is leading worship at, at True Christian City Church in um, Kiwana Waters at the Gold Coast, at the Sunshine Coast tonight. I want to say the power of one salvation not only saved my daughter, but saved my granddaughter. And, and I believe that you, you can depend on the salvation of God. Amen? It lasts. It lasts. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It lasts. But I'm here tonight to say that there is a process and a preparation that, that we all go through. And this morning I was saying that, that our society has been infected by, the, by what they call short-termism. It's got to happen quickly and, uh, and it's got to come together quickly and, uh, and all those things. But God's the God of the long path. He's not the God of the microwave. He's the God of the uh, slow cooker. Amen? And, uh, and he allows us to go through things um, because uh, God cannot use people who cannot wait. Because waiting is an expression of maturity. If I'm needy and I'm grabbing for things, then God, God will actually make me wait longer. You see, it's great not to need anything. Oh, I need this. And if I, if I have that, then I'll be happy. Then I, but it's great to say, he's all I need. And he has to take us through a process until that's real in our life. Amen? And so I want us to have a look at a journey of, the, of a, one of the greatest people in the Bible, and that's King David. And he's one of my favorite people, and he's the greatest king of the Old Testament. And uh, so very quickly, he had... Um, he was in four locations and he came into three anointings before he was fully crowned king. And so we can see in the process in our own life that God has got a journey to prepare us to step into what he has for us. Amen. And so um, the first anointing that David comes into is at Bethlehem and he has this prophetic word from Samuel and um, he's minding the sheep and and, uh, Samuel's got a word that he's to go and anoint the next king. And as you know, all of Jesse's sons come out, uh, the whole parade of them, young, strong men. And the father, Jesse, didn't even invite David. He was back with the sheep. He didn't even consider him a runner-up, let alone a choice one. And, and every time Samuel went to, to anoint uh, a son of Jesse, that's all God said, the next, that's, the next king will be the son of Jesse. And as he went to anoint him, God said, no, not him. Don't look at the outward appearance because I look at the heart. And he went, this, this must be him. And God, no, that's not him. And they went on and on. And, Je- and then Samuel said, have, is that, have you any sons left? And, and Jesse says, well, there's David. He's out minding the sheep. And Samuel said, oh, we will not eat until I see the lad. And they bring David, a young boy, he's been minding the sheep, and he, the Bible says he's uh, red-haired of ruddy complexion, and he comes in and he's, uh, you know, got his slingshot, that's what he's been out there. The shepherd boys would practice with their slingshots in their, uh, in their downtime and just uh, trying to hit that rock on the top of uh, that pole. They, they'd practice all the time. And he came in and uh, with that slingshot with which he killed a lion and a bear, but he protected the flock, and uh, Samuel saw him, and God says, arise and anoint this young man. That's him. So he wasn't even second choice. He was not even on the list. And uh, so God said, anoint him. And, and uh, that was not the time that he just went forward and stepped into it. No, he went back to minding the sheep. 
And sometimes, um, you know, God will uh, uh, give you a sense of destiny, but we're to keep doing what we're, what we're doing right now. We're to keep serving. So in Bethlehem, when he was anointed by Samuel, he had to do, he, he did three things. He did beat a giant. He found a giant to beat. I'll tell you what, you don't have to go looking for giants. They'll come looking for you. If you've got a call of God on your life, there'll be a few giants that'll show up. But the Bible says the giants are bred for us. And David, who'd had experience of trusting God with the lion and the bear, he killed Goliath and they began to sing prophetic songs. And they sang, God, David, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. He'd only killed one person. But they're prophetically singing about his destiny. He found a giant to beat, a king to serve. I want to say for us to fulfill our destiny, start serving. Start belonging somewhere because that's the place you're going to grow into your destiny. Amen? Because iron sharpens iron. And one of the things I found when I got saved, when I came to the Lord, I had a great passion for God, but I had a lot of things that I had to overcome. I had a lot of um, fear of man. I had a lot of uh, insecurities. And it's in the house of God, as you start to step into things, that God uh, develops you in those areas. Amen? And I didn't know when I taught Sunday school, because that's what I did. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I was scared of the kids. I would teach the, I would teach the, um, the story, Dr. White's storybook like this. I was scared of the kids. <laughs> and God had a plan for me to be speaking publicly, and I would have been freaking out if I knew that at the time. Amen? But he has a ways of developing us. And so he found a king to serve, a giant to beat, and he found a friend to love. And that's where he built covenant relationship. And I believe that uh, one of the greatest things about David is he raised up mighty men. It wasn't just all about him. He was raising up others. But I want to just have us, let us have a look at the fact that even though he had an anointing and a calling, the preparation took him into the next place because the Bible says that Saul got jealous of David and it began to try and kill him. And uh, he actually threw a spear at him and pinned him to the wall and David would just escape. And David had a friend called Jonathan. And Jonathan would say, you know, I don't think my dad, you know, I think, you know, he's, I'm going to be able to talk my dad out of this. It'll be okay. But David said, no, look, he, he is, he's seeking my life. He wants to kill me. And so David actually has to flee into the wilderness and he goes to the cave of Adullam. And that, that word Adullam means to be dangled over a dark well on a rope. So if you feel like you're hanging on to a dark, uh, for, uh, hanging on to a rope over a dark well, tie a knot in it and hang on because that rope of hope is going to pull you up. Amen? Because the cave of Adullam was a place where David became a leader. And 400 men, all in distress and discontent and in debt, showed up. Not one of them had it together. And their families. And there David was in the cave. His wife had been taken from him and given to another man. And he could have said, beat it, buster. Find your own cave. You better believe I've had a bad day. And I'm not going to put up with you blokes. No, the Bible says that he began to train them. He began to pour his life into them, began to tell them stories about the Lord. And as he did that, they became giant killers. And he began to pour himself out in the time when really he had a lot of bad things going on in his life. 
And someone might come up to you and say, would you take a home group? Would you want to help in Sunday school? You might say, oh, it's really bad. I've got stuff going on. But you know what? I have found when you jump in and look after God's house, he takes care of your house. He takes care of your business. Amen? So at the Cave of Adullam, he learned to uh, be poured out for others. He learned to lead. And uh, when that time was over, the Bible says that... uh, that um, things began to shift. God knows when you're ready to go to the next stage. And I just want to refer to the next anointing that David came into because what happens is that uh, Saul is killed in battle and he would think that he's got this great prophecy. He could have marched into Jerusalem and said, I'm called to take the nation. I've got the prophecy. Um, Samuel prophesied I'm to be king, but he inquired of the Lord and he said, what do I do next? And the Lord says, go up to Hebron. And the word Hebron is called seed of association. And it's about building covenant with people. You know, it's easy to isolate yourself and think me and Jesus got our own thing going. But it's not true. Because the Bible says Jesus died for the individual but the corporate body of Christ to be born. And he loves the local church. And it's in the local church you're going to find your destiny. Amen. And so I have found things happen in church that would never happen at home because I'm with the believers waiting on the Lord. And so I want to say this, that when he came to Hebron, it was a hard place to reach. You never, you stumble into Adullam because it's just on the way, but to get to Hebron, it's a high place. I want to say it costs you to build relationship. It takes time to build relationship. It takes time to work, walk with the brethren and to trust people and let them trust you. It takes time to let them into your life. And he built covenant with the men of Judah. Now, the men of Judah were a small, insignificant tribe at the time. They didn't even have an army. And in his heart, he had a word that he was going to lead the whole nation of Israel. And he could have said, hey, I've got a prophecy that's bigger than this. But he boldly shook the hands of the men of Judah. And he said, I will be your king. And he served that small tribe. You know, you may, you may get an opportunity to, uh, as I was saying, serve in Sunday school. And uh, as I've heard, people have said, actually, and they've been asked to take a home group. Oh, no, I'm called to be an apostle. I can't do that. Now, I didn't say it, but in my heart I thought, well, you've got Buckley, Buckley's, mate. <laughs> you just got your reward right there. <laughs> I'll see you when you come around the mountain again. <laughs> I'll see you when the next whale spits you out. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I have got a kind heart. <laughs> but I tell you what, I hate wa- people wasting God's time. And so here he is in Hebron. And I want you to see what happened at Hebron. The Bible says this, the house of, because the house of Saul, you see, Saul was the people's choice and he worried about the opinions of man. And even when Samuel came and said, Saul, you're walking in disobedience, You were told to kill all the Amalekites. And uh, he said, I've done everything God's told me to do. And uh, God had told him to kill off everything, all the cattle. And Samuel said, well, what's this bleating of sheep back there, mate? He said, oh, I decided I'd just keep some of the best of the the animals and to sacrifice to the Lord. We've always got religious excuses. And King Agag, he was supposed to kill King Agag. You see, the descendant of King Agag, his name was Haman. And if he'd killed off Agag, he never, that man would never come against Queen Esther to try and kill off all the Jews. But he was told to kill him. But you see, you look a big shot if you're leading captive 
an enemy king, makes you look big, makes you look strong, makes you look famous. And when Samuel said to Saul, well, this disobedience today, this day has the kingdom been taken from you and be given to another man. Shocking news. But do you know what Saul said? He grabbed, grabbed onto Samuel's coat and ripped it so hard. He said, he said, whatever, but come and honor me before the people. Don't leave yet. Stand next to me so everybody thinks I'm famous. Everybody thinks. Come and van, uh, validate me. Come and pray over me so the people will see I'm still a big shot. I want to say this. The house of Saul is the house of looking good. It's the house of bling. And I want to say this. As Aussies, we do not want to be um, deceived by some of the expressions that come through Christianity. Some of the blingy things. Some of the flashy things. The goings on that has actually been... um, really for selfish promotion, self-promotion, and also for greedy for gain. And uh, I believe as, as Australians, we've got a mandate to raise up evangelists and prophets and pastors that are going to go around the world. And you're going to have a pure heart. And Aussies won't stand up here and start to say things like, I believe someone here is going to give me $10,000, as I heard just two weeks ago. An American, I'm not against Americans, I think they're great. But don't go by man's methods. Amen. If your book's good, people will go after it. You don't need to promote it. You don't need to tell everybody how great it is. If it's got something good in it, people want to read it. Amen. You don't need to do a 10-minute advertisement of your great ministry because if the anointing's on it, people will seek you out. And I want to say for Australians, God's going to use us because we don't care who has the name, the fame, and the claim. We just want to see the job done. We're Aussies and we're diggers and we're used to getting in the trenches and getting the job done so we all go home to glory. Amen? And the house of Saul, I want to say there's been a lot of blingy stuff. So don't get deceived by, by the house of looking good because at that time the house of Saul looked, looked, looked great. And the house of Saul looked like they had it all going on. It had an army of thousands. It had the palace. It had all the pomp. Where was the greatest king of the Old Testament? He was in a cave with smelly, dirty men. <laughs> he was with people in distress and in debt. He was being hunted in the wilderness because God was training him to have faith. He was teaching him the ways of God. And I want to say that we need to go through the processes before we grab for the position. We need to allow God to prepare our hearts through the circumstances. And when you think you're ready, you're not. And when you think you're not, you're ready. Amen? And so I want to just bring out a, 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 a couple of things here, as I'm not going to keep you long, because I really want to pray for a number of people. And um, in fact, uh, thank you, Jesus. I did have some uh, issues I want to pray for people with. But um, David, when he came into that second anointing, there was a process before he came into the third anointing, which was at Zion where all the men of Israel came and acknowledged he was king. And he began to take Israel into 40 years of their golden, golden years. Amazing, amazing years of blessing. But David is here in a time of preparation. Don't get bewildered in the wilderness. Don't cut short the time of preparation because things born prematurely to will struggle to survive. And so if we allow God to bring us out, why does God make people wait? 
I want to say this, number one, all the greats had to wait. Everyone who did anything great for God had to wait. And secondly, God has got to deliver you and I from our ability to do it without him. Because we'd just rush ahead and do it. So sometimes God reduces you to such a place where you know without him I can do nothing. And when you step out, it's in total faith in God. Amen? And so he has to deliver us from our clever ideas and our sometimes big bank accounts, and then he gives it back all back to you once you have trust in God and not on the arm of flesh. And so I want to just highlight a couple of things. That the house of Saul was a, um, the house of looking good. And uh, I want to just highlight someone who was of the house of Saul, and that is Jonathan. And I think Jonathan is the saddest person, one of the saddest people in the Bible, because he was the son of Saul, but he was a, a best friend of David. So I want to turn to 1 Samuel 18, and I want to look at uh, the, the um, covenant that begins to come between David and Jonathan. Verse uh, chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was dipped with the soul of David. Jonathan loved him as his own soul, and Saul took him that day and would not let David go home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because the Lord loved him as his own soul. And uh, and he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off his robe and uh, gave it to David, his armor, um, his sword, and even his belt. Uh, to David and uh, they cut covenant uh, together and um, so that's where this friendship with Jonathan began but what I want to point out is that as the story goes on and David is in the wilderness being hunted by Saul Jonathan's father that Jonathan comes and visits David uh, approximately three or four times And each time he cuts covenant with David, and each time he cuts covenant with David, it's more in his favor, Jonathan's favor. And so he comes and he cuts covenant with with, uh, David, and if you're taking notes, I'm not going to go to all these scriptures, but he cuts covenant with David, just find it for you, in, um, well, I'll give them to the pastor so you'll know that it's true, (laughs) and he'll give them to you later. My, I can't read my scribble. Um, <laughs> the first time he comes to the wilderness and he said, David, um, uh, whatever happens, I want you to take care of my family and my children. You know, if this goes badly, uh, if this goes good for you and bad for, for my father's soul, look after my family and look after my, my generations. And, and he said, David, you keep your word to me. And so he goes back to his own house. He goes back to the house of Saul. He goes back to the house of looking good. And then he comes to David another time and he finds him there in the wilderness and he begins to ask him afresh a covenant that's all weighted if things go your way. That um, He says, David, you know, the Lord has told you that you'll be king and I will be next to you. Hello, hang on. Who said you'd be next to David? You've not been prepared like the mighty men. You're back in the house of looking good. You're back there in cruising comfort. So he's actually making sure he's got a position with David should it go that way. And he goes back to the house of Saul. And then the third time he comes. And uh, 
So I just want to um, read a couple of Psalms. Now, this is a, it's, it's certainly another slant on Jonathan because um, ultimately Jonathan stays in the house of Saul and he gets called into battle with his father for one last battle. And of course, he gets killed alongside of Saul. He dies in battle. His family are not protected. His family, well, his seed is, but staying in the house of Saul did him no good. He should have, I believe, been with the man that God said, this is my man. This is the person I want you to back. But he actually had a friendship with David, but he had a, he had a, um, a heart to stay in the security of the house of looking good, the house of man's opinions being more important than God's opinions. So I want to just read a couple of Psalms. Psalm 41, this is a Psalm um, of David. And he's saying when he's being hunted in the wilderness, he says, my my enemies are speaking evil of me. And then he says, "Um, um, uh, there's someone who comes to me and he speaks lies and his heart gathers iniquity to himself. When he goes out, he tells on me. Verse 9 says, even my own familiar friend, even my best friend in whom I trusted, who ate bread with me, has lifted up his heel against me. I don't think that was Absalom, his uh, son that came against him. And Psalm 51, it actually uh, goes on to say there that, uh, um, 55, sorry, 55. David says in verse 55, verse 13, but it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, my acquaintance, my sweet friend, my best friend. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. He said, I never dreamed he would have turned against me. I never dreamed he would have stood against me. And sometimes we've been aware of friendships that it all waited somebody's way. That uh, when they call you up, it's because they want to talk to you. It's because they want you to go somewhere that they need to, someone with them. And praise God, we bless them. But Jonathan here, I want to just point out something. He was, he was someone that had a uh, a commitment to David, but he had a, his heart was in the house of Saul. And the Bible says the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker and the house of David grew stronger and stronger. And then ultimately uh, God anointed David and he began to build a dynasty in the earth. I want us to go back to First Samuel 18, where I believe the seed was sown. First Samuel 18 And he says there, and when he had finished speaking, they, they decided to cut covenant. And uh, Jonathan took off his robe that was with, on him and he gave it to David. And he took off his armor, his belt and his bow, pretty cool, gave him all that stuff, maybe even gave him his purse. But I want to say one thing he didn't give him, and that was his shoes. You see, he said, David, I'm with you, but I can't walk with you. I can't walk that journey through the wilderness. I want want the creature comforts. I want to look good. I want to be in a place where people will look up to me and say, oh, oh, what a wonderful man. What a wonderful person. He said, I can't walk that journey of humility. I can't walk in obscurity in the background there where, where nobody can see me. And I want to say this, he didn't give him his shoes. And tonight, 
I believe God is looking for people that are in boots and all. Boots and all. And I want to say tonight, I want to challenge you. Are you ready to be boots and all in this? Amen? In this, I want to say there's some here that just prophetically need to chuck your shoes up on the altar. And that's not this church, that's just to God. Saying, okay, God, thank you for the covenant, but I'm in boots and all. I'm in boots and all tonight. Amen? Who's going to chuck their shoes on the altar? Praise God. Amen. There's a few of you going to chuck, just, just as a prophetic sign, come on. Come on, Aussies, come on. And God, I'm in boots and all. Hallelujah. I'm not someone that's got a foot in the house of David, but I've got a foot in the house of, yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. Are we in boots and all in this? Because God is raising up an army in the nation of Australia. Glory to God. Just just watch people's heads if you're flicking your shoes up here. But if you want to get, come on, glory to God. This is a night where we're saying, God, I'm in boots and all, and this is this is whatever church you go to. It's not to it's not gathering to this church. It's wonderful. The COC family are here, and, and anyone else. This is a statement that as God raises up an army and raises up a move of God, He's not going to use those that have been that have been wanting to be in the house of bling, that have wanted to have the have the great name, the fame, and the claim, the gold and the glory. Hallelujah! But those who say, "I want to make His name famous in the earth." Are you in boots and all tonight? That's what God's saying. Are you in boots and all? Hallelujah. Give someone next to you a high five. Glory to God. I want to say one of the saddest people in the Bible is Jonathan. Because he said, you're going to be king. And and if it goes your way, I'll rule with you. But if my dad wins, I'll be the son of the king. So I'll still look good. And sadly, he was not protected. He was not, he died alongside of a murderous father. You see, he should have, way back when Saul murdered 70 priests at the city of Nob, trying to get David, when he sent the Gestapo in to get David, and David's wife, Michal, hid him, or got him down in a basket and told the, 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 army, the, 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 the men that Saul had sent to kill David, uh, no, he's gone. Um, I don't know where he is. And um, so he was like almost like a Hitler. And here's, here's, here's Jonathan, not having the guts to go boots and all. But tonight, I believe, Australia has been prophesied to lead in amazing ways. Pro- prophecy from Smith Wigglesworth said the last great move of God would come out of Australia. It would go around the world and we'd see Jesus Christ step into history for the second time. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.